0: Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Podcast. We are in season three and reflecting on the topic, what Jesus wants most from his church. Each week we'll be looking at the passages in the letter to the Ephesians to see how God answered Jesus' priestly prayers found in John 17. So enjoy this time in hearing the preaching of God's word and may you be encouraged in the great hope you have in the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Thank you, worship team. I'm going to ask you to uh, open your Bibles. uh, As Ben said, we're finishing this series today. And it's, um, I don't know, it's been profound for me to keep thinking through um, all that's in here. So we're going to be looking at uh, John 17 and Ephesians 4. Oh, thank you for putting page numbers up there. I mean, we, get, we have Bibles sitting out for people too. Look at that. Okay, so um, typical to, to Sundays that we do this, I'm going to walk us through some text. I think words really matter. Um, there's a reason why God's written down the things that he has. And I'm sorry, I didn't get this all organized. I'm just stealing stuff. I think I'm off camera. For you guys that are watching online, I haven't left. My voice is still going. But you can have a pen ready because I think you're going to want to underline some things today, okay? Uh, The title here, you'll see, what happens when we display our oneness in Christ, subtitled that the world may see and know. So we're going to see that um, in the text. And uh, sometimes I use visuals. So I did that last week. Um, I'm going to do some more today. But it's it's not to be cute or to go like, oh, this, you know. Um, I, well, one is I'm a visual thinker. And I'm also a very good forgetter. I don't know what your week was like, but think how many times we forgot about Jesus this week. Where I spent my time, what I read, you know, what I'm paying attention to. Think of whose voice we're listening to most of the week. And one reason, one of the reasons why we gather in here, it's like a recentering time. I mean, we get to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ and be under the word of God. Songs that are, you know, our worship leaders, they pick songs where the words matter. And sometimes we're singing to the Lord. Sometimes we're singing about the Lord. But I just, I need this function in my life. It kind of like, it resets me for what's real and what goes on. Because I get a lot of noise in my life. I don't know about you. You get a lot of noise in your life? I got a lot of noise in my life. So that's that's one reason why I need it. So the visuals help me um, remember. So, um, I'm going to repeat a couple things because this is the final message. So um, you just don't, if, if you've missed some of the weeks or whatever, we're not just going to the conclusion. We are going to the conclusion, but there's some things said that leads to this. So I'm going to review a couple of things um, along the way. Um, and one of the things, kind of the summary statements from last week is that we realized that um, our oneness and that's what Jesus is praying for in John seventeen. That's what Ephesians is talking about. Our very oneness in Christ, our very oneness with one another. It's based upon Jesus. It's not based upon us all voting the same way or liking the same things or the same sports teams, Drew's family. You're out. Oh, Tammy's not here. I can is she online? Can I say this about her? Okay. We're really just jealous Bears fans and we really don't like your Packers because you're better than us. Okay? Our, our oneness is not based upon that stuff, right? Those are small things. They, they just are. It's based upon Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And that's not in our minds. That's not in the forefront a lot. But these scriptures will exhort us on such things. So, Am I wearing the same clothes as last week? Yes, I'm wearing the same clothes I wore last week. So those of you who know this, so this is not a surprise as it was last week. But I did this so I would remember on this. It's not because I don't know how to do the wash or any of that kind of stuff, okay. Um, this t-shirt for me, there's this little word as. And I don't think I get the slide, but on the back I got three of the scriptures, some of which we looked at last week, two we will again, that speaks of this. Now, for some of you who've been around a long time, there's another phrase in the Bible that we talk about, it's called, but God. And so some of you afterwards were just talking about, man, I remember when that sermon came through, and I remember, and so in Old Testament, New Testament, we'd always look and underline that phrase, but God. And Basically, I mean, Old and New Testament would go like this, such and such is happening, it's really bad, but God, and then it's like, it's actually in the book of Ephesians, but God. This is a little word that helps my mind, when it's used in these scriptures, it helps my mind focus on this fact. It keeps Jesus' sacrificial love that we see right here. It keeps that in the forefront of my mind, particularly as I relate to people. Because isn't it true, in our week already, people tend to get me crazy, because they're crazy. Or I, I get distorted, I respond. But that's not the deal. The as connects me here first, so I'm gonna have somebody help me out. Oh, Rocco's back. It's probably gonna be you again, but it's all right. You did really well last week, you know, that was, that was good. All right, we'll, we'll do it again. So, but the as helps that all function for me. So, in this text, we're gonna read it again. There, there, there's at least three ways we see it we're to love one another as the Father loves us, we're to forgive one another as God has forgiven us in Christ, we're actually he prays that we would be one with one another, even as the, Jesus is one with the Father. So that little word, it's always connecting what's going on here with God with what goes on here. The thing is, we live in this world very seen. All, look around the room. These are people you see. We've got to interact. But God, who's unseen, is also very real. And as Christians, we're thinking this way. When we can think this way first, it'll help us this way. And that's what the scriptures are doing all the time. That's why, as we just did the Daniel series a little bit ago, Jesus is building a whole different kind of kingdom. It's not in your voter registration card. It's not in your, your uh, state driver's license. A whole different kind of kingdom that's invisible to change in hearts. And essentially, that's what this is about. This oneness has this him being centered In our lives. And I don't know about you, I need help with that. That's why the Word of God is important to me. So, Jesus has been praying for this in John 17. Ephesians, as a book, kind of expounds some of these subjects. That's how we've been taking it in these series. So, I'm going to review three things on this. First of all, Jesus prayed for our oneness, that's John 17. He prayed for that oneness with Him and one another. We thought about this last week. Some of us wonder, does God hear my prayers? We know the right answer is yes. But if we ever have any doubt, we're pretty sure that when Jesus prayed for something, it happened. Why do I say that? This is what Jesus prayed for, friends. He's doing it. He's done it. Our oneness. Secondly, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, We went through this extensively last week. I think it's chapter 2, verse 12 to the end, around 25. Jesus accomplished our oneness on the cross. He did it. We thought about Jew and Gentile who for centuries were enemies, could not speak to one another. One was considered unclean. And when the gospel comes into their lives, they become Christians. They surrender to Jesus. These two are made one. These two are in one body. He broke down the wall of hostility. He's reconciled both to God, giving access. It's an astounding thing. Way deeper than conflicts over how we do justice or political parties or mass. Or Way deeper conflicts they had. They're one. Jesus accomplished our oneness on the cross. The third one, and we'll see it in the text again today a little bit, is that our oneness is a trinity-like wonder. So we considered this at length last week. It's like, how how is like Jesus in the Father, the Father's in Jesus and we're in Christ? How's that go? We're in Christ. And the language throughout the book of Ephesians speaks of this in Christ. So part of that is our identity, but it's actually true. So later on, when we get to like the Spirit empowering all that, there's a fact that when you have submitted yourself to Jesus... I mean, becoming a Christian, to use that terminology, it's this simply, it's by faith, I believe this. And I surrender my life to you. I'm done living for myself. So there's a a repentant aspect, turning completely to him. And that's where it says, he makes us his. We belong to him. There's a then being in Christ. How to explain that or understand that? I don't know. So there's a part, we're supposed to just wonder at it. Just as the Trinity can't be explained so much, Father, Son, and Spirit are one. We're one with Christ. I mean, just that nugget you can take and chew on for the whole month. I, I, but that's what we, that's a review from last week. So today is basically, so how do we respond to all that? What's the implications of that? If that's all so, how does that work out? So I'm going to try to do a couple things. Let's, uh, what I want to show is why this actually matters. And what's at stake in terms of our oneness? And I'm going to just um, skim the surface of how we live this out. because Basically, I want to set the stage for you to do more study. But I want to un, unpack some places. So let's, let's be certain of this. What's at stake in this? What's at stake? Why does this matter? Let's be really clear. This is not so that we would feel better. Uh, it's not so that we are healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, It's not so that we might avoid conflict in our life. It's not so we have a happy life. That's that's not what is driving all this. In fact, it's actually not about us primarily. It's about Jesus. It really is. And that's why the title, What Happens When We Display Our Oneness in Christ, That the World May See and Know. So turn in your Bibles to John 17. I'm going to read just verses 20 to 23 and then pray. That'll set the stage for what we're going to do here. Evie, do, do, I give, do you have these? Did I give them to you? Okay, thank you. So Jesus is praying for his disciples and for us. I, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Okay, so Jesus in this prayer, he's foreseeing us. I'm praying that they may all be one, notice, just as, Father, you are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that, underline that word, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that, again, underline that one, that the world may know that you sent me. And love them even as you loved me. Let's pray. Father, I know that um, I've had a really fatiguing week. So I would expect all my friends here the same. And I know my mind is rattled by many, many things. I pray that in some spiritual way, you could give us a tentative to you right here. And help us to understand you and your call in our life even differently than we would have yesterday. So I pray you'd help me in clarity and help us in receiving your word and inviting you to do a work in us, God. We so need that. Our world needs that. This city needs that. Do your work in us, we pray. Amen. So, Evie, can you put the verses back up? I just want to, all I really want you to see is the so that. There's two of them. Um... This is the implication part of what he's saying. So I'm highlighting a different part of this period. It's so that the world may believe that you sent me. That's why unity matters. That's why our oneness matters. And what's in the next one, verse 23. Um, I'm praying this so that the world may know that you sent me, he says this again, and that you loved them even as you loved me. Those are pretty profound statements. So friends, it matters. We need to learn to live as one. And we need to see that our oneness is about Jesus' glory and the truth of the gospel. That is what is at stake. It's not about us. It's about something greater and someone greater. And honestly, when I hear people criticize the church, I'm not talking about you per se, but the church, I, I, like, I think a lot of the criticisms are valid. I think a lot of places we've preached something other than Jesus or we've Wanted something other than Jesus. So think about it this way. Oh, maybe I'll step on toes. I'll step on my own toes too. Um, I, our tendency is to make small things of greater importance than they are. We tend to make smaller things so important. So let's just take, I'll stay with this one. Let's take political parties. Is it possible that a Christian would come in and think I think we have an opportunity in our country to vote for, I mean, to to vote for certain candidates. We get a vote. You should. And you should do that intelligently and perfectly. But that I'm gonna take Sean just let, let's make this not theory. Let, Sean has thought through this in research, and he voted for a particular candidate or party. And I thought through this prayerfully. and I voted for a different one than him. Is that possible? I'm just telling you, in some places it's not possible. And it's wrong. I think it's possible. Now, I think we should come to convictions based on certain things, okay? People will do that. But could a person who voted for someone different than I or or another party or, or pick the issue, vaccine, mask, or whatever, and can we be brother and sister? Friends, if we are not... We have made small things major things. We have made things that do not matter, really. Do they matter? They matter. But they don't matter more than Jesus' glory. They just don't. And and we get it backwards. Okay, let's go this way. What do you listen to most? Now I'm really meddling. What do you listen to the most? So let's take your favorite station, because everything's biased. I don't care what it is. It's got an orientation. It's got an agenda. So whatever your favorite media sources, do you listen to that more than you're thinking God's word? Alright, guilty is charged. Just think about it. What's, what's coming into us and what matters? I just think, all, my simple statement was, and I illustrated in a couple ways, and I put myself in the same group, we tend to make small things big things. And Jesus gets diminished in the process. And friends, I think we just need to repent of that. Say, God forgive me. Hear me, I'm not saying we shouldn't research those things or we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't even talk about those things one to another. I am so helped by a particular friend I have. I don't know that we vote for the same person. We probably haven't. Um, But this particular friend um, runs ER. He does a shift on ER. He's helped me think about things where you got to, This week we're talking back and forth. He's, I don't know, this just I don't even know how to express what I go through, where all these beds are full. And I got this many people in the waiting room, and it's absolutely full. And I have this many people outside that can't get into the waiting room. And I have to move this deceased patient. I have to decide which people move in there. Do you do you think that oh? And then he says, and my friends talk about this thing not mattering and that thing not mattering, and I don't even know how to interact with it. Do you think that's changed my language when I think about mass or vaccines or all that stuff? Why? Because this dear brother who's living in different shoes than I live in, I'm really helped by talking with him. And we share in fellowship together. I'm actually not certain we voted for the same person. I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure there's some things we'd approach the same. I'll tell you this, he loves Jesus. And I love Jesus. And we have fellowship continually together. Friends, that's what should be. We should repent where we've made small things big things. We should. There is nothing that can demonstrate the truth of Jesus like our oneness in diversity. You can put that one up, Evie. There's nothing that can demonstrate the truth of Jesus like our oneness in diversity. There's a certain kind of diversity that should be there. I think it's kind of one of the big themes in all this. Um, conflicts and disagreements are actually normal. In fact, Ephesians unpacks how we should do that when that takes place with each other. That's a normal thing. For people um, to have their camps and their tribes, that's what people do. But true oneness and love and with such diversity, that's not normal. That's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit produces that. He does it amongst races. My, one, of my, one of my closest friends the last year, he was born and raised a Muslim. He lives in another country. I will see him next week. I'll be with him next week. He's become dear to me. It's it's our mutual love for the Savior and the word of God. This guy takes more risks than I've ever done in my life. He's he's become precious. Our our backgrounds are not similar. We were born into different kind of homes, different kind of countries. But there's there's a fellowship that is deep and rich. It is Holy Spirit accomplished. Friends, in the Ephesians church, when you had Jew and Gentile, fighting for centuries. If they're gonna be one, certainly we can be. Amen? When Jesus is central. So all I wanted to come across here is what's at stake? What's at stake? So that the world may believe that you sent me, Jesus says. So the world may know that you sent me and I love them, the church, as much as you love me. That's what's at stake. Jesus' glory. We forget that. I forget that. We can't. This is our greatest opportunity, probably in, in most of our lifetimes, to live out the truth of the gospel. Jesus' glory is at stake. And it's, it's a love, it's genuine. It's, it's not not talking to someone, it's not avoiding, but it's a love. He matters most. He does. All right. So how does this work out in life? That's chapters four through six in Ephesians. I'm going to do a little flyover about this book um, to try to do this. If I, can you see this chair in the back? Dave, can you see this? It's too low. Is, it a, is that better or worse? That's better? Okay, I'll do that. And I don't know who is standing over here, but I'm going to mess you up. Just move that back. Okay, there's a chair. What I want to illustrate here is really a basic flow of the book Ephesians. Has anybody heard this term, sit, walk, stand? With this book? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, good. That's what I want to illustrate here. And it's really how this book works. And it's it, it just it's helpful to me. It's really simple. This is, can you see this? It's this a pair of binoculars. They'll stay. These are a pair of shoes. Okay. So, oh, you're not... Who decorated today? Oh, my God. Carol, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize in advance. This was you. Oh, it's on a roller. It's perfect. All right. That's better. Sit. This is chapters 1 through 3 in Ephesians. Walking. This is chapters 4 through 6. Stand. This is the last half of 6, basically about 10 to the end. What does that mean? This is really going to show us how to practice the gospel, how this aspect of um, our oneness and how that works out in our life. So um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at a couple of verses. I think the first one is chapter 1, verse 18. Do we have it, Evie? Okay. So this is Paul's prayer. And it actually will say seated. So I want you to see is where Christ is seated and where we are seated. And we're going to talk about what it means to sit. But this is really, he said, here's all that Jesus has accomplished. And so in the prayer, he's saying, I'm, I'm praying that you will know the glorious inheritance in the saints, the riches of his kindness, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. His power towards us, the church, those who believe. And he says, this power is the very same power that was demonstrated in Jesus, keep going, working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and then what did he do? He seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. This is the place of all dominion, all authority, all rule over all beings that are seated and unseen. This is where Jesus is seated. And he says, I'm praying that you'd understand all this, the immeasurable greatness of God's kindness towards you who believe and his power towards you who believe that was seen the way God raised Christ from the dead, put him here. Now here's what's crazier, chapter two, verse six. Do I get start with verse four? Okay. What he's describing is you were dead in your sins, but God, who's rich in mercy, he's talking to the church. He made you alive. You're dead had you nothing, know, but he made you alive. Together with Christ by grace you've been saved, and he raised who? He raised who? Us up. With him. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages, he might show his immeasurable kindness. We're seated with him. He's, now, I kind of get this part. He raised him from the dead. He's, he has all authority. What's that mean we're seated with him? How, I, so we did this in the book of Ephesians. He's talking about what it means to be in Christ. He's talking about all that Christ has accomplished for us. We've already are one. So we did, last week we did the verses that followed this, how we're reconciled by the cross. But what do you have to do to sit here? Remember it, friends. Remember it. Sit here. Rest in it. It's what he's already accomplished. Amen? It's what he's done sit here. Why does this matter? When we're not sitting there, we forget the implications of the gospel. I get all bent out of shape about things I shouldn't get bent out of shape. That's who he is. That's what he's done. Okay. That's chapters one to three. Chapter three ends with that great prayer. Okay. The the prayer is now to him was able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think according to his power that's at work within the church. Okay. Okay. What he's praying for there is our oneness. He can do immeasurably more. And so that prayer launches in to chapter four, which begins with, do we have that one? So about our walk, I therefore, the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called. Now watch, here's what's true. We're gonna just put up each of the verses. I'll do, just do, I wanna show you where the, so if you're taking notes, Write these down. It's like 4.1, 4.15. He's going to say how we walk. And we're going to come back to that. Um, What's the next one? 4.17. I say this. I don't want you to walk like the Gentiles do. Next one. Is that 5.2? Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. I want you to walk in love as Christ loved us. Next one. 5.8, I think. One time, you were, you were in darkness, but you're not anymore. I want you to walk as children of the light. Our next one, 5.15. So be careful in how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, stop. What's he saying about walk? What's he saying? What does this mean? I think, sit, walk. I guess I'll end with this. Stand. Oh no, let's jump there. Totally out of order. Go to Stand. Chapter 6, verse 10. I'm, I'm totally doing this on the fly on you guys. Thanks, Liz. So if you have your Bibles, Stan, um, 611. So he's talking about putting on the full armor of God. You won't remember this. This is a couple of years ago. When he says put on the full armor of God, what's he mean? Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Verse 11, go ahead in verse 11. Put on the arm, whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What's he mean when he says, put on the arm of God? That's a really good marketing scheme for the Christian bookstore to get little soldier stuff for my, my boy Caleb when he was little, right? No, what's he mean? When he says to put on these things, he's basically it's a metaphor for practice the gospel in your relationships. Practice it. And he says that you might both stand against the schemes of the, of the devil. Verse 12 says, you know, I mean, our enemy is not flesh and blood, but... Uh, Go to the next verse, 13. What I want you to do, put on the whole, um, you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm, stand put in here. So what's he saying? Standing, all this, how he ends the book, he starts with what Jesus accomplished, walk out the gospel in your life, stand here, The stand. it's like a sentry looking, you're alert. See, we have an enemy. Surprise? Anybody surprised? No, we got an enemy. Don't be surprised. Look for him. Look for when this happens. Don't be asleep. So someone writes something against you, someone, someone criticizes your character. Some, so they did to Jesus, they should to you too. Don't get bent out of shape. The evil one will just try, he's gonna always try to get you off on something. Stand ready, be immovable. Okay, now let me go to walk, but follow this. These two over here require probably less energy. Is that true? Than walking? Standing, I got to rest in him. So it's not exactly passive, but it's it's less energy. But I I need to do it. It paints a foundation. This one too, man, just be ready. See, don't be surprised. I don't have to be scared. Jesus accomplished it. But walking, what does walking require? That's energy. Yeah, thinking right. Thank you, Sue. I got to think right so I know which way to go. There's direction involved. This has got a lot more everyday, in the moment kind of stuff in it. Movement, direction, energy. It's active. So all that is is a metaphor of how we live every part of every day. Okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to set a framework for you how to think through the book of Ephesians. And let me do this. Let me just recommend for your own devotional reading this week, read chapter 4, 5, and 6 again. Because he, he gets really detailed about this. He's going to show why it matters. So I'm going to give you one example is chapter 4 he's saying in terms of your walk it's how you participate in the body of Christ. He says in verse 7 God gave gifts to all of them. Every one. It's it's as each part does its work, 4.16. That's how the body is built up, together in love. How well, That happens. Uh, later on, he says, um, he talks about our speech. Our speech matters. We can, we can say things that really hurt people, or we can give grace to people. That's how we walk out the gospel. Um, he'll talk about our hearts and our attitudes. So, hey, be careful of bitterness and anger and rage. You got an, It doesn't mean you don't get angry. But if you got, I mean, you think back over last week, if you you got angry and it was like, yeah, it was off. It was too much. But I'm justifying it. So there's there's some ways we need to be careful of that. And he talks about how we can, let's see, what's the word? Oh, grieve the Holy Spirit. So all that power that's towards us, we can actually unplug it. See, this part here, this active part, this matters what we do, even in small things. Why is it that we hurt the people we love? What's coming out of that? So let me just say this. You won't walk this out perfectly. Don't be scared about that. But see, the gospel should help us to come back and when we have done it wrongly, just go back and ask forgiveness. And you can do that with a person. Cindy and I practice this pretty often. It's a good thing to apologize and really ask forgiveness. The gospel should have us grant that pretty easily. We should do it with friends. I'm not letting Mike tell stories of all the ways I've messed up and hurt him. We, we should. You can tell the stories. It's how we walk this out. All right. So I'm going to jump into... 4.32 to 5.2. What I want to do right now is show, I think is a key place where this as comes up. Again, this shirt, it helps me think through relationships. And as you see up there, yeah, we've got three places where this word comes up. All right? Um, Thatcher. Last week, I, I thought about this a bunch. So last week, when we finished the service, you were telling me about verses you memorized. Which I thought was super cool. And it wasn't just the ones that you'd memorized, it's why you memorized them and why they're thought I thought, it super encouraged me. So you don't have to do this one, but this one up here is a really good one to memorize. So I'd just say for all of us to, to have in our minds in terms of as. Let me read it. It's right after he's guarded us about um, uh, quenching the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit. He says, So. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here's what I want to do for just a couple of minutes. I want to think about the word "as" in this way. Our very oneness, it's based upon Jesus, who He is and what He's accomplished. And that little word will help me keep Christ's sacrificial love in the forefront of our minds through our relationships. So I'm going to do these one, two, three. They're right up there from this thing. The first one is forgive one another. He could have left it there. He says forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us. Okay? Friends, forgiveness is not a human idea. We want justice, right? Forgiveness is not human. When, when you think of the world religions, they're not the same. Jesus, the very Son of God, on the cross, after all the ways he's been treated, he says what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What do you mean? They did too know what they're doing. Not ultimately in terms of this being the son of God, but that's how he prays. Forgive one another as you've been forgiven in Christ. So Rocco, come on up if you will again. Okay, we did this last week. Thank you. I'm going to have you stand closer to the cross, first of all, okay? And I like big guys doing this. So if we had a conflict together, if that happened, and all I see is him, I'm just ticked at him. Now, he's bigger than me, so I'm not going to pick a fight with him, okay? But I'm just, in my heart, I'm just just angry. Where's Jesus in this? Where's Jesus' words? Where's Jesus' teaching? If all I see is Rocco, I can't see the cross behind. Okay? The as makes me think about this. So now go stand behind the cross if you can do that. It's pretty tricky. Okay? Now, follow this. Same conflict has occurred. But if I'm aware that I've been forgiven forgiven in Jesus, do you see how obscured he is? The, the, The conflict's still there. But if I see it through that May that change my heart in a way that I'll forgive him. It's for, thank you. That's that's good. I just it, it helps illustrate a little bit the sequence of things. If all I'm thinking is Rocco, that's all I'll see, and I'm just plain mad. I will never forgive someone because they deserve it or because they've asked for enough forgiveness, or I just won't. Because I always think I'm right. Isn't that true? Ooh, I babysat my grandkids yesterday. Seven and a half hours. That was fun. They are so different. I got one that is always right. We could be playing a game and uh, we were playing, uh, what's the one in the pit? Gaga, the Gaga pit. So we're playing that one where you get knocked out when the ball hits you. You know, it's funny, the ball never hit her. I just uh, miraculously, everyone, it hit you. Nope, didn't hit. it hit you. And she saw the ball hitting other people when no one else saw it. It hit you. No, nope. it was crazy. She was always right. That I was so like you. I thought, you dear firstborn, oh. <clears throat> and when that goes into human relationships, screws them up. There's no humility. There's no seeing Jesus first. I'm going to hold on to what I think. We're playing this game. She, she really thought she was right. It's just a game. Can I just say my perspective is skewed all the time and I don't know it? You don't know your blind spots. That's what a blind spot is. Other people see it, and so this call, this is working it out. How is oneness seen when something goes wrong? He's so much forgiveness here. I forgive as I've been forgiven in Jesus. It's got to go to the cross first. I hope you see that. I need it just because I can preach it doesn't mean I'm practicing it every day. But when I've screwed it up, I've come back and just and repented. Really, so Lord help me and I've gone back humbly to a person. Okay, that's the first one. This is this is how oneness gets worked out in the real nitty gritty of life. Second one here is um, imitate God as much as God's much loved children. So He says it. Uh, yeah, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So basically, imitate God as a much loved child. Now, follow me. Hey, and have you ever seen a baby that gets smiled at like all the time? Firstborns get this, you know, because like they're the only person giving attention. You know, That's why they think the world revolves around them because they had two parents, and every time the parents look, they smile. It's the first one, and so the child smiles back. You know, they're like filled up. They're like ready to go. That, but a child, a baby, you can see it. Um, let me say this generally. Uh, I have a person dear in my life that's got some foster kids. I got a baby, and um, the baby in her household... They get smiled and loved every day, all the time, is very different than older siblings that didn't get that. Okay? It just, it's a demeanor. This kid lights up. Same biological parents, total different shaping experience. It's as much loved children. Here's the deal you're loved by God. And if there's anything I want to grow in is understanding how much I'm loved by God. I'd, again, recommend the book Gentle and Lowly. We've, I think we've given it out. Um, to actually grasp what the scripture says about how great this is. But when you're loved by God, the kid who's, who knows their love, they want to imitate their parents. They want to act, you know, they just it just it goes it goes with that. And that's what that is. As much-loved children, imitate God. This is not a hard command. It's being filled up with God's love and then living that way. Loving others. It's as, it's through the cross again. The final one is walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, okay? That required a decision on his part. He's gonna to submit to God to do that. That is an action. We're, and, and we're the recipients of this, which is sacrificial love. That's how we're live. So to, to love like that, it's gonna hurt sometimes. It'll hurt. It'll sacrifice. It's worth it, because that's where you're gonna know Jesus. That's where you're gonna know the power Coming from him, greater, the same power demonstrated when he was raised from that, it'll come in you to forgive, to love, to imitate God. It's like, it's, it's unnatural. This is actually how the truth of the gospel is seen and known in real life relationships. Who said the Bible's boring? <laughs> That's how it gets lived out. Now, look at the last phrase, though 5 2. Um, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Is that talking about Jesus or talking about us? Yes. Jesus giving himself that way, it's a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And when we follow him in this walk, giving sacrificially in our love, it always requires a cost, real love costs. That is a, it's a fragrant offering to God. You know what that's saying? When you forgive someone, when you choose to love instead of harboring bitterness, when you're going that way, it's a fragrant offering to God. It, it makes him happy. It, it's declaring, I'd it's, say, it's, it's worship. It's declaring the worth of Jesus. Friends, that's no small thing, that's a big thing. But when we think the world revolves around us, we treat it like a small thing. So how do we walk this out? It's massive. It's bigger than Rocco and me. It's about Jesus' glory. And I think we have an incredible opportunity in the day in which we live to do that. Because you see, we do have a real enemy. He's not flesh and blood. He wants us to forget it. He wants bitterness and anger to be harbored in our heart and we can grieve the Holy Spirit that way. Let's just be alert for him. He's not like that creative in what he does. But we got to start sitting right here and knowing what Jesus has done because this fuels everything. It's a foundation. And if I don't truly get this, I'm going to simply hear the rest of this as just a command. I've got to sit right here and rest in that and know that. And maybe that's the scriptures that I think about. And then I can walk this out. Because that's the power towards us who believe. And it demonstrates the glory of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Whew. Lord, our society needs to know you. The city needs to know you. There's so much rancoring and noise out there and so much it's far from you. And Lord, the church has been part of it sometimes. So right now, as we pause where that may have been true in our life, we repent of it. We say, God forbid... Lord, I pray that you would make your things, your desires, your glory more pronounced in our lives. That we'd be able to rest in what Jesus has done. Lord, I pray also if there's anybody listening or anybody here, they're like, I kind of get this, I kind of don't. And they're yet to submit their life to you. Lord, I pray this would be a day that would happen fully today. I thank you that you do such wonderful things. I thank you made us one with one another. We don't even know how that works out. We don't know how that works out with the Sawyer campus and we want it to be. We want people to know you because you're real in us. So let that be in youth. Let it be in married. Let it be in single. Let it be in those who are retired. Let it be in all. That the world might know and might believe that you were sent, oh Christ, and that you love us like the fathers loved you. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. More information about Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.